0: I want you to imagine for a moment that you were at breakfast this morning and uh, you start to listen to the news or watch the news or read the news and breaking news comes up while you're having your coffee and it says that you have just died. Imagine the reaction you would have. What? I'm, re- I'm drinking my coffee, what do you mean? And then it goes on to describe you. Because that's what happens when people die. You know, people start to describe their lives what they were like I was at a funeral on Wednesday and a close friend of mine did the tribute for his own mother which is not easy to do but he was brilliant absolutely brilliant and had everybody laughing and you know he was able to go into their character because you know he's a single man he stayed with his mom right to the very end and he said whenever she was you know she was called Kelly and, and, and he says you know the Kellys When they were right, they were right. And when they were wrong, they were right. He says, you know, and and he went into your character because he knew what she was like. And it was a great tribute. But imagine this tribute about you is negative. And they began to go into your character and your life. And you're sitting reading this and the whole world knows about this because it's on the news. That actually happened to a very famous man in Paris, although he was Swedish. And he started to read, and the title of the article was, "The Merchant of Death Has Died." And this man belonged to a family who were explosives experts and made arms and explosives that armies used all over the world. His family invented and patented dynamite. They 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 were working with gelignite, but it was very unstable, <laughs> uh, and they. They they got the dynamite patent. Imagine that you owned the patent for that. And they became incredibly wealthy. And and, and here he is reading about the damage that his family and he has done. And the millions of people who have lost their lives because of him and his family. He got the shock of his life. It would be a shock, you know. It would be interesting to know whenever it's our turn what they actually say about us, you know. But the answer there is, that that depends on you, now. And, and, And so he decided, because he was wealthy, he would invent something called the Nobel Peace Prize, because it was Alfred Nobel. And everybody remembers Nobel for the Peace Prize. But actually, even though he did that, he still kept his factories. And when he died, he had still 50 factories making dynamite and arms and, and all kinds of uh, weapons for armies around the world. So it was a bit of a swizz, really. It was, you know, it's a bit of a con. you know. He wants to be remembered. He wants his legacy to be Mr. Peace. But actually, he was Mr. War. And it's quite interesting when you travel around the world and you go to cities and towns and you see the statues of people. Who is it that they want us to remember? Sometimes it's a war hero or a rebel or, or it could be a famous uh, scientist. And it's quite interesting when you go to different cities and you see the, the statues and, 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 and the commemorations that we fight over and don't fight over. And, and it's a way of saying these people really were something. They really were special. More special than the rest of us. And yet you and I both know None of them come close to Jesus Christ. He was a man of peace. A real man of peace. And he came and he showed what God was really like. He showed us the love of God. And well, a lot of people think God doesn't love them and God is cynical and he and he wants to punish us and he, and he enjoys. He, he just can't wait to get his hands on us on the day of judgment, you know. And just point out all the things wrong in our lives, that's not the God of the Bible. And that's why Jesus came, to show us what God was really like. And when you read the Bible, for instance, if you read John's Gospel, John chooses seven miracles to show us what Jesus is like. In fact, if you read all of the four Gospels, there's about 35 specific miracles that they tell us about. And then there are lots of other miracles they don't tell us about, but they say there were lots of other miracles. John actually says, if I wrote down all the miracles and all the things Jesus said, the Bible wouldn't be big enough to contain it. We have trouble enough reading the Bible. We do have. So John had mercy on us. And he said, well, if you can get through this bit, there's a lot more when you get to heaven. And what's really fascinating about the person of Jesus Christ, who is the greatest man that ever lived on this planet, And John begins by saying in chapter 1, this is who he is. You know, he's the creator of the world. He's the light of the world. He's the world. You know, he became a man. And the very first chapter of John, John describes in seven different ways who Jesus is. The Messiah. God become man. And then he, he gives us the miracles. First miracle was he turned water into wine. God's not a spoilsport. You know, God invented fun. God invented comedy. God invented ice cream. Well, he gave us the ingredients. And he said, look, I've done the hard bit. Now you do the easy bit. You know, chocolate. God knew that was coming. You know, every good gift, the Bible says, that we enjoy comes from God. Thanks to him. He gave us the ingredients. That's the hard bit. You know, and... John, at the very first miracle, says Jesus is not a spoil sport, He turns the water into wine, and it's the best wine, you know, so God knows all about wine tasting. But the thing about that miracle is that God, Jesus, has power over nature. And there's other miracles John talks about. You know, he walks on the water. He has power over creation. You know, he, he feeds 5,000 people with a few you know, loaves of bread and fish. He has power over nature. Astonishing. And, and so we see in the Gospels that Jesus is a man. You know, he was born the way we're all born. Um, he wasn't conceived the way we're all conceived. But he was born the way we're all born. He had a mom and a dad. He grew up with his brothers and sisters uh, and, uh, you know, he slept and he, and he ate and he, uh, you know, he got tired like everybody. He was a real man. He was thirsty. He was a real man. But he was more than just an ordinary man. He had power over nature. And many of the miracles are about nature. There's actually, of the, you know, of the 35 or so miracles, about nine of them are about power over nature. He even cursed the fig tree one day because the fig tree wouldn't give fruit. Now, that's the one of the few. I think it's the only negative miracle he actually accomplished. You know, which is actually a big lesson for us too. You know, it's better that he prunes us and we bear fruit, and when we die, somebody has something good to say about us, than actually to be a bad, a bad fruit, uh, and to be you know uh, have a negative life. He also of, of those miracles, twenty three of them are about sickness and disease. You know, he he, he gave the blind man his sight. To prove that he's the light of the world. that was the John chose up that particular miracle to say, Jesus is the light of the world, and if you can't see and you're living in darkness, he can bring in light, which he does in our lives. When we come to Christ, the light begins to shine in the compartments of our heart, and sometimes we don't want the light to shine, because there's a lot of dust, and there's a lot of dirt, and there's a lot of stuff we don't want to be exposed there. But that's part of the healing process. You know, people who were deaf, he came along and he gave them the gift of hearing. We take that for granted. It's a wonderful thing to be able to hear. Uh, You know, and and other occasions, you know, people had a withered hand and he he made it whole again. Some of them didn't even come back to thank him. Uh, One did, uh, one out of ten on one occasion. And some people couldn't walk and he gave them the gift of being able to walk. You know, he had power over sickness and disease. He had power over the human body. But what I want to highlight to you this morning um, is the greatest miracle that he actually performed. By the way, he also had power over darkness and demons. We don't talk about that much these days in our scientific vocabulary world. But we talk about all kinds of other issues, mental illness and all kinds of stuff. But sometimes it's deeper than that. Sometimes it's a soul issue. And Jesus came to some people and he cast out demons. And he set people who were imprisoned mentally. He set them free. Because he has power over darkness. He has power over Satan. You see what they're saying? He has the power over creation and nature. He has the power over sickness and disease. On one occasion in John's Gospel, he actually healed a man without even bothering to go to his house. The official's son. The official came to him, this Roman official, and said, My son's sick. Could you do something for him? He says, Just go home. It's okay. He's healed. And when he got back home, he said, What time were you healed? And he worked it out. It was the very same time that Jesus said that he was healed. That tells us something else about time travel, doesn't it? It's astonishing when you think about it. But in John chapter 11, we have a really interesting story where there's two sisters, Mary and Martha. And they love Jesus and Jesus loves them and their brother Lazarus. And they say this, a man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. Some versions say, Lord, the one you love is sick. And I find that really interesting because sometimes when we're sick and things are not right, we think the Lord doesn't love us, don't we? We wonder, what have we done wrong to deserve this? I remember when our third uh, daughter was born, she had a stroke at birth and it, has affected her for the rest of her life. And the first thing you think is, Lord, what do we do to deserve this? Well, nothing. These things happen. Sometimes it is our fault because of our lifestyle. But in this case, you know, it was nobody's fault. Uh, it, 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 Jesus goes on to say this. But when Jesus heard about, about it, when he heard that his friend was sick, he said this, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death, no, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. That's why Lazarus was sick. A few chapters earlier, there was a man who was born blind and the disciples asked the question, who sinned? Was it him or was it his parents? Jesus said, none of them. You know, this happened because God was going to do something special through this. And Jesus, right from the outset, tells them how it's going to end. I love that. I don't know about you, but when I read books, sometimes I start at the end. To see whether the book's worth reading, you know. I remember I was uh, was studying the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, and it it gets a bit heavy in there, doesn't it, Andrew? And and, uh, I said to Andrea, who's more a student than I am, what do you think of Revelation? She says, that's easy. We win. That's the interpretation of Revelation. We win. Jesus at the end of the book of Revelation is King of Kings, Lord of Lords. He makes a new heaven and a new earth. We know the ending. We know how it's all going to end. And Jesus says to the disciples, Lazarus is not dead. Well, they didn't quite understand. What Jesus was saying was, this isn't the end. The story's not finished yet. And I would say to you, and your friends, and your families, and even people that have fallen away from the Lord, it's not over yet. You know, some in our families came to faith in their seventies, in their sixties, and, and in one case, on their deathbed. You know, God is a patient God. So Jesus, what does He do next? It says here. So although Jesus loves, He loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. He stayed where He was for the next two days. He didn't move. He just said to the disciples, ah, don't sweat it. Don't worry about it." Mary and Martha were having a heart attack. He sent news, Lord, come quickly. Lazarus is really, really sick, and it's serious. And Jesus said, I will wait for another two days, just to make sure he's really dead. And we don't have time to go into it, but in the story, he, by the time he gets to Mary and Martha, Lazarus is dead four days. So do the calculation. You know, one day's travel at each end for the person to get to Jesus, one day's travel for Jesus to get to Mary and Martha, and the two days in between. Actually, when the guy came with the message, Lazarus had died. He probably had already died when Jesus was talking to the disciples. So by the time he gets to Mary and Martha, Martha comes running out to him because Martha was a woman of action. If you remember, she loved to do things, whereas Mary loved to sit and listen. And Martha said, Lord, if you had been here, Lazarus, my brother Lazarus, would not have died. And she was angry with Jesus. And Jesus says to her, further down the chapter, he says to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life, Martha. Even if Lazarus is dead, he can be raised up again. And and Martha says, yes, Lord, I know in the last day when everyone gets raised for judgment, Jesus says, no, 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 Martha, you don't get it. I am the resurrection and the life right now. And in our day and age, it's Jesus able to say to you and me today, today I can save you. Today you can get eternal life if you trust in me because I am the resurrection and the life right now. God is the God of the living, not the God of the dead. And he said to Martha, well, Martha, do you believe this? He said, even if people believe in me, even if they die, they will live. I let, you know, Sometimes I find the Bible quite humorous because if you think about it, it says that we're dead in our trespasses and our sins. Spiritually dead, separated from God. Which basically means there's people walking about in a scourthie today, but they're actually dead. There's dead people walking all around the place here. And there's people in the cemetery who have trusted Jesus, and they're actually alive. Yeah, they're not there anymore it's just a, a, a rotten corpse but waiting for the, the the resurrection but they're actually with the lord jesus right now they're alive they're more alive now than they've ever been it's just that they're separated from us by death jesus says to martha further down the chapter he says martha i am the resurrection and the life do you believe this that's in verse 26. He, the very end of the verse he says to Martha do you believe this can I say this to you this morning do you believe this do you believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life he said it and he used the expression I am which is a very familiar expression to the Jews you remember when God said to Moses Moses said who will I say sent me to Egypt and God said just tell them I am sent you what a strange thing to say which means he's the eternal one. The Yahweh we've been singing about. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth, and the life. You know, He said, before Abraham was, I am. And they got it. They got it because the, the authorities wanted to kill him. Because he said these things. And so he said to Martha, do you believe? And Martha said, yes, Lord, I believe. Happy day. Martha's got it. And I hope you believe that Jesus has the power over death. He is the resurrection and he is the life. So not only does he power does he have power over sickness and disease, over nature, over the works and the powers of darkness who flee before him. He has power over our ultimate enemy. I hate to say this to you this morning. I don't want to spoil your day because it's a lovely sunny day, but we're all heading in the one direction. You know that. No matter what age you are, we're still going in the same direction. And somebody one day will be talking about you and me when we're not here. Unless the Lord comes, which is very possible this year. Did you notice that Jesus waited for two days before he went to Mary and Martha's house? And I'm sure... Well, Mary and Martha both said because... Mary came out afterwards after she'd sulked for a little bit she came out to see Jesus too she said the same thing as Martha Lord if you had been here Lazarus wouldn't have died and the Lord basically was saying yeah no <laughs> they had no idea what was going to happen next Year they didn't some people are saying today that's 2000 years he said he's coming and he hasn't turned up yet been saying that for years the Christians He's coming back again. In fact, in the second letter to Peter, Peter's second letter in the last chapter, Peter actually talks about this and he says, don't be don't be worried about people who are saying, where is he? He's not coming. For the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, a thousand years like a day. But he hasn't come yet because he has mercy. And he wants our friends and family. He wants all people to come to Christ. He's patient, but... But Peter goes on to say, but he will come. He keeps his promises. And Jesus promised to come back again. Not me. Not any church. Jesus said himself in John chapter 14, a few chapters after this, he says, Let not your heart be troubled. If you believe in God, believe in me also. In my Father's house there are many mansions. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And when I go, I am coming back again. Why is he coming back? So that he can bring you to his Father's house. He said it. And uh, Thomas' reaction was, Well, oh, Lord, show us the Father. And Jesus said, You're looking at him. You don't get it. I'm here. I am not only someone who talks to talk, I have the power to deliver. Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe it? Yeah, good. You're going to see something you've never seen before in your whole life, Martha. Because God's full of surprises, isn't he? So eventually he says, where where is he buried? And they go to the grave, to the tomb. It's interesting. Because by this time, he had been dead for four days. And all of Mary and Martha's friends from Jerusalem had come down to join them to offer their condolences. Jesus had a bigger plan. Sometimes he allows things to happen in our lives and he waits to give us the answer because the impact when he does give the answer is going to be big. All the people around you are going to see something's happened here. And so the crowd follow Mary and Martha and Jesus to the tomb, to the cemetery. And Jesus says, roll the stone away because sometimes... Stones, big stones get in the way of God working in our lives. I don't know if you realize that. Sometimes we're the problem, not God. We won't let go of something. And we put this big stone in front of God working. You remember when Moses came down the mountain with the tablets of stone with the Ten Commandments and he found them in idolatry. Worshiping a golden calf. And You know, one French evangelist used to say a lot, the people who gave their gold for the golden calf had nothing left for the tabernacle. They'd spent their time and their energy and resources following idols. And we can do the same thing. And it becomes a big stone in the way of God's blessing. And sometimes God says to you and me, Roll away the stone. Get that person out of your life. You know, get that thing, you know. Forgive me for saying, put that mobile phone down for a while and read your Bible. You know, Sometimes things get in, or read your Bible on your mobile phone. But, but sometimes things get in the way. And, and, and Jesus said to the friends, move the stone. Now, I thought to myself, well, if you're the resurrection in your life and you've power over nature, why didn't he just say, stone, take off? Why didn't Jesus just move the stone? I think there's a lesson there for us to say: Jesus only does the things that we can't do for ourselves. Sometimes He says to you, yeah, "Put your own clothes on." You know, get yourself washed and dressed. You know, get out of bed, as we've been reminded this morning. You know, uh, very honestly by uh, by Mags. You know, sometimes the Lord says to you and me, "Come on, help yourself a little bit." You're asking me to do something you can do for yourself. I'll do the impossible if you can do the possible. So they moved the stone away and Jesus uh, shouts, Lazarus, come forth. Now it's really good that he just said Lazarus. Because if he hadn't if all of the people in the cemetery would have come out. Because he's the resurrection in life. He's power over death. And if he hadn't said, if he just said come forth, everybody would have come out. It would have been like a, one of those zombie movies, wouldn't it? You know, only they've been walking. You know, but Lazarus comes out and he's covered in, in grave clothes. He would have been in, in bond or you know, he would have been tightly wound in these grave clothes. And so Jesus said, "Look, get the grave clothes." And also, he smelt. You now, sometimes when you come to Jesus, you smell. And, and by that, what I mean is you've got a terrible attitude. You, you can have all these kind of hang-ups, and they're like grave clothes. And they're tightly bound. And they hold you back. You know, you're kind of walking like a zombie because you've got all these grave clothes. And Jesus said to Mary and Martha and the others, get the grave clothes off. When you and I come to Jesus, a miracle happens, we're born again, we get eternal life. But sometimes, in fact, every time, we've still got the grave clothes on us. We've got the old habits. And the old mindset. And the old culture. You know, and by culture, what I mean, our family culture. I mean, I grew up in a family where it was quite aggressive, and language wasn't pretty, and you know, alcohol played a big role, and anger was there, and prejudice was there. And I had an example of a marriage that wasn't necessarily a great example, and my mom and dad, although they loved me dearly, so I thought that was marriage, which basically meant I never did the dishes, and I never did anything. My mom did everything for myself. And I was bringing that in the marriage. You know what I'm saying? That's not the biblical example. And so you have to get the old grave clothes off and say, leave those things behind. Start to walk in newness of life. Stop lying. And you can lie by omission, by the way. Christians are very good at that bit. You don't lie, but you just, just don't tell all us the truth. <laughs> you know? And... That's why the Apostle Paul in some of his letters actually writes to Christians and says, don't let the sun go down in your anger or your wrath. Don't lie to each other. Stop devouring one another. He's basically saying, get the old grave clothes off. Get rid of those old habits. And some grave clothes are tied very tightly on, aren't they? It's painful sometimes pulling them off. You know, When I was a teenager, I wore jeans a lot. And there were times my mother had to trick me to get the jeans off to wash them. Because it was cool to wear jeans for days, indeed a week or two. You know, and my sisters were horrified, but that only made me keep them on even more. You know, we do cultivate these habits. And when Christ shines His light on our lives, and He sets us free, He begins to work on us. And He says, get those old dead works off. So that you can serve a living God. So that you can travel light. Stop carrying stuff that I've died on the cross to set you free from. Why are you carrying stuff when I've already forgiven you and set you free? Walk in the newness of life by the power of the Holy Spirit. But help yourself as well. You take the great clothes off and you roll the stone. It's amazing the story, isn't it? Lazarus comes out And all the Jews that come down from Jerusalem for the funeral, it says many of them believed. Many of them believed. They wouldn't have believed if Jesus had a jump the first time he heard the message. Lazarus is sick, come quickly. All these other people wouldn't have seen the resurrection of Lazarus. But there were some, and this is the sad reality, there were some having seen the resurrection of Lazarus who deliberately decided not to believe and you and I can't do anything about that and some of them even went to the authorities and said we have a problem here if this continues everybody's going to follow Jesus and the men that were in power decided to plot to kill Jesus because they want the control over our lives and friends there are people in our lives and they want to control our lives And they don't want anybody else to set you free. We see it in countries, don't we? We see it with politicians. We see it with dictators. But there's lots of mini-dictators all over the place. You know, people who want you to be their friend and nobody else's friend. You ever come across that one? You know, you're my special friend, which basically means you're not allowed to have any other friends. No, don't buy into that. Lord Jesus sets you free. He sets you free. And there's great freedom in Christ. He, he gives us his grace. And he gives us the gift to make choices. And he gives us the Holy Spirit. And he says, I will be with you all the way. And when we let go of him, you have to remember, as we've been reminded this morning, when we're holding his hand and we want to let go, he won't let you go. He won't let you let go, and he's an awful lot stronger than you and you and me. What a great story of Lazarus. John kept that one to the end, you know. The seven miracles of John, that's number seven. He kept the best miracle to the end. Well, that's excluding the resurrection of Jesus Christ himself. It's so important to remember the resurrection. Why? Well Paul says if there's no resurrection, we're wasting our time. If it's all about just this life, Paul says it's pitiful. even the cross is, is, is wasted Paul says even the, even the gospel, the cross and Christ dead for our sins is wasted if there's no resurrection, but because there is a resurrection, wow, we have hope. I don't know if you've noticed. We live in a pretty hopeless society. There's an awful lot of stuff going out there that it's uh, pretty. It's very sad because we live in an affluent country, but many people are taking their own lives, and many people are drowning in hopelessness. They don't seem to see any future for themselves. They don't seem to see any way out. Can I say to you, kindly friends, this morning, if Jesus can raise Lazarus and the widow's son? and Jairus' daughter, and raise himself from the dead, there is hope for you and me. If we can roll the stone away and let Jesus in. Think about it. There's Lazarus, cold, wrapped up in grave clothes, in a dark, old, dingy tomb. Miserable. And then a voice comes into that darkness. The power of words Andrea was talking about this morning. The voice of Jesus comes right into the darkness and the coldness and says, Lazarus, come out. Tells me that there's nothing too dark for Jesus. There's nothing too cold. And the voice of Jesus gets right through and he calls you and me. Just to help you remember the story, it goes like this. God cares. The one you love is sick the sisters knew God cares Jesus came God cares enough to come finally when he came he cried I forgot to say that in this story Jesus actually cried he shows he cares he cried fourthly he calls he calls us and he calls you and me and he calls you and me today out of our darkness he says follow me come into the light get rid of the grove Finally, he conquered. We've been singing about the victory in Jesus this morning, haven't we? He's put a new song in our hearts, and we have a great future ahead of us. I don't know what you're going through at the minute, but I can say this if you have Jesus in your life, your future is bright. We have a great future ahead of us. And we'll have plenty of time to learn the piano and to learn new languages. And to all kinds of things, we're going to have lots of time to you know, do lots of things that maybe we don't have the time to do right now because we have the gift of eternal life. What a great God we have. God bless you.